What does your dinner time look like? Is it chaos? Is it fun? Is it bonding time? Is it a little bit of all of that? Well, today we are going to talk to Dr. Caroline or Cece Claus Ehlers, who is an internationally known award-winning psychologist who has done a lot of research, teaching, and writing that focuses on supporting children, adolescents, and their families. She's also a licensed psychologist in New York and a professor at Long Island University. She's the co-author of the book we're going to talk about today called Eating Together, Being Together, that she co-wrote with her husband, Julian Claus Ehlers, who is a classically trained chef who has cooked at five Michelin-starred restaurants. I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say today. Her advice and ideas about how to bond over food and cooking will be amazing. I hope you enjoy this show. Thank you so much. Hello, this is Mary Jo Tinlin from Teaching Your Toddler. And today we have a very special guest, Caroline Klaus Ehlers, to speak to us today about a fantastic book that she wrote with her husband about uh, eating together and, and how that can really be a very enriching experience for families. So Caroline, please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us about yourself and tell us a little bit about the book as well. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And I love talking about child development. Um, I go by CC, so you're welcome to call me CC. It's shorter and easier. <laughs> thank um, you. Yeah, no, I um, I uh, trained as a psychologist. I'm a licensed psychologist in New York State and do a lot of work with children and families. Um, I've been really fortunate to be a faculty member as well. So I get to work with students and train future generations of psychologists. Um, right now I'm at LIU in Brooklyn um, and that's been wonderful. So I feel very fortunate um, to have had that experience. Um, I'm also, I was born in New York. I grew up in Venezuela. So I do a lot of work with Spanish speaking parents and Spanish speaking communities. Oh, wow. Perfect. That is, that's amazing. So um, tell us a little bit about the book and sort of how it came together. It's called Eating Together, Being Together. And I love the tagline, recipes, activities, and advice from a chef dad and psychologist mom. Yeah, thanks. So the book, so my husband is a professional chef and he is a very good chef and, you know, full honesty here. I am not a good cook. I have tended not to enjoy it. Um, with this book, I am cooking more and enjoying it more. And I have to say, I think my kids are kind of starting to enjoy my cooking. Um, but Yay. the book yeah, it's Victory. a good thing. It's a good thing. Phew. Um, the book really started, uh, it started a while ago. We have, our kids are a range of ages. So right now we have it from a six-year-old to a 19-year-old. Um, the book really started during the pandemic when our son was four. Um, and it, it really... We were together as a family really for the first time in our, in our marriage, um, you know, as a chef, my husband was uh, unemployed and was at home as many people were during that time. And as you know, many industries were hit by that. And so it was a hard time in some ways in terms of the unemployment at the same time, it was also what we discovered was a really nice time for us to be together and together as a family. 
And so we started thinking about, you know, activities and things that we could do with our kids to really kind of get them involved in the kitchen. And that really helped us to start to think about, well, what are some of the parenting themes that are connected with cooking and with these activities? So I kind of like to describe our book as like a parenting book with recipes and activities that help us kind of put those parenting ideas into practice. Oh, wow. What a a unique way to look at um, parenting, really, because it is such a good vehicle. What are some of the ways that you have found that that parents can bond with um, with their children through either cooking or food as well? So I think there are a lot of ways that parents can bond with their kids. And one of the things is to, you know, being in the kitchen and preparing food together, you just don't really know what kind of conversations are going to come up. And so when you're making something together, that just provides a really nice opportunity for the unexpected to emerge. So for instance, one of the stories in the book, it talks about my oldest who was about to leave for college and her younger brother, my son, who was really sad about it. And she was making one of the recipes, which is the um, chocolate banana bread. And she was making it for her grandfather. And she said, I'm going to make a lot of it and freeze it so that each time you go and see grandpa, bring him a loaf. And so that he thinks of me and he knows I'm thinking about him. And it was, I was just in the kitchen and kind of hanging out and it opened up this great conversation about how she was going to miss being at home in that transition, but also for my son to talk about who himself was going to be transitioning into kindergarten while she was transitioning into college to talk about what's it going to be like without his big sister around and how difficult that was going to be for him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that wasn't anything that I thought was going to come up in the kitchen at all, but Mm -hmm. but there they had that conversation and it was, you know, really helpful. And then of course he asked if he could have some of the, some of the banana bread. (laughs) Of course, naturally. And, and, you know, also sort of that, um, that extra layer then of, of the connection to, the grandfather as well, right? Having that bread. And when you took it there, you had that story of making it together and right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she did it again this year. And I will say we have frozen banana bread in the freezer. And next time we see grandpa, we will give him, you know, a loaf of the bread, Um, which is kind of full circle because, and I know, you know, toddlerhood is such, such a, interesting and important time for parents during right before the pandemic and we talk about this in the book my mom passed away and my son we had literally who was in preschool we had literally just seen her the day before Mm. and so you know the banana bread bringing that to my dad his grandfather is is like um you know, it's like a connection around mm-hmm. that and it's kind of a remembrance, which is mm-hmm. really nice. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother. That's, but what a great, uh, like you said, what a great connection um, to, to be able to sort of pull that through. Um, what, and along that line a little bit, I mean, you're kind of creating a tradition there. You just mentioned that you're doing, you, she did it two years in a row, right? So talk a little bit about creating traditions there with food or with eating together. Yeah. So 
The last chapter of the book is called Setting the Table for Connection. And it's really about how can we, what are the ingredients, literally, so to speak, to kind of promote and create connections. And I love your question about traditions, because it's very true that when we have rituals and things that we do, that there's research that shows that this builds resilience. Um, Why does it build family resilience? Well, it builds family resilience because it offers the ritual itself or the tradition itself offers an opportunity for families to come together around a specific event or a specific activity, in this case around around food, around preparing food, creating it, and then distributing it or eating it or, you know, mm-hmm. however you want to share that. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting that that take, because usually people think of traditions as like around holidays specifically, but, but there really can be traditions around specific, you know, activities or, or recipes, right? Yeah. And, you know, the traditions can be like for us, we have our Sunday dinner together every week. You know, this isn't, this book is about the process and trying and doing your best. It's not about getting it perfect. And so, you know, like we were never a family that could have dinner together three times a week or even dinner together because of Julian's work schedule. Mm. So the Sunday tradition was like our tradition. Mm -hmm. And then, but that was once a week and that really builds in like family time and resilience so that we're not waiting for a holiday to Mm -hmm. make it happen. Mm-hmm. I love that that word resilience because you wouldn't necessarily um, equate those two together that a tradition can build resilience in a child. That's that's really interesting. Um, one of the most popular topics uh, for this podcast has been around picky eating and about especially for, you know, I mean, toddlers, they're they're in. I'm guessing it's some, about control and things like that, but also texture and, and all of those things. So how does picky eating sort of fit into what you you talk about in the book? Yeah, it's a great topic. It's a really important topic. And there are so many ways that we as parents can address this. Our approach in the book is to promote eating mindfulness. And how we talk about that is that rather than sort of hiding things in food, that we want kids to be aware from a young age to be aware of what's in food, to be making choices about what's in food, and that it's okay if they don't like something because Mm -hmm. all of us don't like something. (laughs) And, you know, there's a whole theory in psychology called classical conditioning that talks about, you know, negative experiences can get paired with something. So if you think about, have you ever had an experience where you ate something and then you had an allergic reaction or you got sick, you probably aren't going to want to eat that thing again. Mm. And so, you know, it's kind of the same, like that it's okay if there are certain foods that aren't light. So Mm. for instance, my son used to absolutely love bananas. And when he was a toddler, he would eat three, maybe even four a day. I mean, he loved them. Wow. Yeah. A lot of bananas. We were always running to get bananas. And then one day for no reason at all, he just stopped liking bananas and he wouldn't Hmm. eat them and he doesn't eat them to this day. However, when he is making the banana, the chocolate banana bread with his sister, Mm -hmm. he is aware that bananas are in that. He is helping put the bananas in that and he loves it and he'll eat it. Hmm. So, so it's very interesting, you know, how that works. And Mm -hmm. so we can think about, 
different ways that we can sort of incorporate kids in the cooking process so that maybe they don't like a food one way, but they like it another way. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that Julian talks about is kids taking ownership. So for instance, taking your toddler to the grocery store and saying, you know, okay, and we have a lot of activities around doing this in the book, but okay, let's pick out the ingredients. Let's pick out what we're going to use to make for our, our recipe. Mm -hmm. um, then they're making choices and mm -hmm. they feel good about that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of pre-reading and a lot of math that goes into that as well. You know, oh, where's the mm -hmm. pasta? Okay, I'm assuming most two and three-year-olds can't read that word, but they can certainly find it on the shelf mm -hmm. and see mm -hmm. it and connect it with the letters. So there are lots of ways that we can do that with our toddlers. Oh, wow. um, another thing we talk about in the book is around picky eating is positive peer pressure. So we have had mm. many experiences where kids have come over for playdates. This was when our girls were little because we had, you know, with the pandemic, we haven't had really play dates recently, but, mm -hmm. um, and parents saying, you know, she'll eat the pizza. She will not eat the salad or he will not eat carrots. And, you know, but then when it's made and it's served and, you know, friends see, you know, for instance, my girls who have always loved salad, eating the salad with Julian's amazing salad dressing. Well, then there's a likelihood of, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's another option for parents. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Try. Positive peer pressure. I like that, that because it usually has a negative connotation. But in that in that sense, it's it's really it's really a good one. Um, I, I, um, I had a thought about that when you were talking on the um um, the recipes, but uh, anyway, so tell us a little bit, what is the connection between academic stress and food or how can it relieve academic stress? Yeah, well, academic stress is a reality for kids and it's also a reality for parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's um, in the chapter on snacks, I really talk about emotional eating and how, that's something that, you know, many of us do. And that when we engage in emotional eating, it's often with unhealthy foods. Mm -hmm. I've never engaged in emotional eating with baby carrots, for instance. <laughs> that's not going to happen. No. Nope. So, um, you know, I think even just having healthy snacks around can be really helpful during those academically stressful times. Mm -hmm. And then it's something, you know, to pick on or to, to eat, to, you know, even eat, you know, while studying or between studying or, you know, for parents to, if they're helping their kids with homework, you know, with for young children, for instance, that there's something that is there to munch on that's mm -hmm. kind of healthy mm -hmm. that can kind of relieve some of that stress and then also being together i think provides an opportunity to talk about it mm -hmm. do you have a no technology rule with your meals so we do we have a no screen time rule for certainly for sunday dinner and that's mm. one of the ingredients for setting the table for connection mm -hmm. um no screen time because then everyone is kind of having their own conversation with whatever they're watching on their screen mm -hmm. um so we kind of feel like there's a place and a time for that sure. um 
at the same time, there are activities, for instance, making, you know, the most amazing popcorn, which is the name of the recipe and creating mm-hmm. this great popcorn and having a movie night together. Mm. That's different because then you're watching the screen together. You're enjoying the show together. You can talk about it together. And, you know, that's what we're doing at my house tonight, you know, on Friday night mm-hmm. is having our, our movie night. Um, but in terms of at the table for that Sunday dinner, it's a, it's a no, no screen. Mm-hmm. That um, makes total sense. I, I, my train of thought was about the conversational skills being developed that you, I believe mentioned in the book as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, so again, we have a range of ages in our mm-hmm. family. It can be really hard for parents. Certainly it is for us to say, okay, shut that off, please shut that off, please. It, it's hard. And so mm-hmm. one of the things like a little strategy that we do is we'll ask my son when it's getting time that dinner is going to be ready. We'll say, can you set the table for us? Mm-hmm. And then he has to stop what he's doing. And then he focuses on another activity mm-hmm. and then he gets kind of excited about setting the table and what he's putting around the table. And then we can say, Oh, that looks great. Or, Aww. Oh, you can eat three forks. That's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So distraction to move away from the screen time is it's not always effective, but it is one strategy. I think that parents can use. We try okay. to use it whenever we can. Oh, that's perfect. I think I have two more questions. I did remember my other question. How do you feel about, um, because I was in this situation for a long time, I, I usually had to make multiple versions of dinner because I had one who didn't eat most things, but the rest of us ate everything. So how do you deal with that? What What's the best way to deal with that? Oh my gosh. We talk about that in the book because it used to be, you know, my son would get home from school and he was like hungry right away. So then he'd want a snack and then he wouldn't want to eat his dinner. And then I, I would put him to bed, have dinner with my older girls. And then Julian would come home late and have dinner on his own. Three waves. Wow. (laughs) Three waves. It's really hard. Um, You know, I think sort of if you're working towards how can I have a dinner that everyone enjoys? Like, you know, make it like a game, like, let's Mm. do a poll, let's do a poll, Mm. let's see, you know, write down, or if your child is not writing yet, like draw a picture of what you would love to eat, like, what would be your dream meal to eat with your family? What would that look like? And Mm -hmm. then you kind of collect the pictures or the words and put it all together. Like, okay, we're going to have this, uh, these meatballs, and then we're going to have it with this broccoli. And then we're going to have this you know, these um, cookies for dessert so that you kind of put, have everyone's voice kind of reflected in the meal. Mm -hmm. Now, what if everyone chooses a separate entree, then you could say, okay, so it is a lot of work to make three things at once, but let's figure out when we can have each of these things Mm. during the course of the next week or so, so that everybody gets a turn, you know, Mm -hmm. kids, toddlers are learning about taking their turn. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets a turn. And then we're going to do a taste test for each meal and vote on which you like the most. Taste test. (laughs) That's great. So now you're making it a game mm-hmm. and you're making it kind of fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. And as a follow-up to that, do you, do you, it, how do you feel about like, does everybody have to try one thing at least once before they say, I don't like that? How do you deal with that when they get a new food and they're like, mm, I'm not eating that? 
Yeah, that happens a lot with our son. He'll mm. say, I am not going to eat that. Oh, I'm not going to eat that. And we know, like, oh my gosh, like when you try this, you are going to love it. Like, mm -hmm. and we'll say that. We'll say when you when you try it, you're gonna love it. No, I'm not gonna eat it. And then, you know, I don't know. Then maybe something happens, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, because we're all watching, so it's like, mm -hmm. you know, the suspense and the drama. Okay, I'm gonna take a little taste. I'm gonna take a little <laughs> taste. And then it's, ooh, that's really good. That's really good. And then eating it. And then it's like, oh, we never suggested that anyway. Because he knew the whole time it was oh. going to be great. So then it's like, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's great. Last question. Um, I, I believe you said, did you say you grew up in Venezuela? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you have like any traditional dishes or maybe, you know, of people who have traditional dishes that can incorporate that into their family? How do you sort of incorporate something like that from maybe a, a, a different culture or, or like a family tradition like that? How do you get that incorporated? Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, a sort of expressing culture and expressing family traditions through food is a beautiful thing. And so there, I think, is a wonderful way to bring kids into it and to, you know, really let kids know about your culture by letting them know about the food of the culture. Mm -hmm. And that's a tradition that gets passed on through generations. And so then cooking and preparing food with your kids that are foods that are traditional to to your culture or or also traditional to your family. Mm -hmm. It's a way to kind of um just talk about intergenerational mm. experiences mm -hmm. and to share culture around food. Mm -hmm. Wow. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, this has been very fascinating. I hope that the listeners are really intrigued to, to, to check out your book. Tell us uh, before I let you go about you know, how do we find you? How do we find the book? All of the information that anyone would want to know about you. Oh, sure. Thank you. So the book, we have a website for the book, which is eatingtogetherbeingtogether.com. On that website, there are a list of booksellers and you can click on the link. There's a whole different range. And then also you can order it online or at your local bookseller. Perfect. Do you have a website yourself? I do. I have a website. It's um, drccnyc.com. So dr C as in cat, C as in cat, nyc.com. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Well, I'll make sure that we get the, those links into the show notes so uh, people can find you. And uh, again, I so appreciate your time today. It's fascinating to talk about this subject. It's a, an amazing book. I love that you were able to do it with your, with your husband and certainly be inspired by your family. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And thank you for talking about this super important topic. This has been the Teaching Your Toddler podcast with Mary Jo Tinlin. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you'll find us on our website at teachingyourtoddler.com, as well as on Facebook at Teaching Your Toddler, on Instagram, and on Twitter at Teaching Toddler. So join us again, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Thank you.